Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28 and now... And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend editions here at Tail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach back from assignment. And we say good morning and thank you to Elijah Herbold. As He's rocking yet again this morning. Numbers to dial up. Join us this morning on Hale Varsity Weekend, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. can find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt, that's me at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And someday again, Mark Cranach will join social media maybe that's part of the ireland experience don't know you can email chris at hailvarsity.com loaded up big weekend for nebraska football and for nebraska football fans with friday night lights how did the camp go a good story from greg smith greg smith will be part of our rewind he previewed some of the names and needs uh, on Thursday. So Mr. Greg will be part of the rewind coming up here in about 30 minutes. In hour two, Brandon Vogel joins us from uh, Hale Varsity. And <laughs> we will also uh, run down the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp. Uh, he'll join us around 8.30. So that's uh, on the docket. Plenty of baseball going on. That's where I was at yesterday. And I'll just be flat out honest. I needed a, a, a bottle of scotch. <laughs> a little adventurous yesterday for, for me as Junior got the start. And he's come in in, in in mid-relief. And I know you're shaking your head, don't want to hear about your kid, Schmidt. I want to hear about other teens. Oh, I mean, no, we want to hear about this. We talked about this on the show yesterday. Okay. Okay. We, we, we were eagerly awaiting the report this morning, so. <laughs> Liars. Uh, no, I mean, his team's incredible. Flat out incredible. Remax Southwest. Sorry. Going to bore you with baseball, but these kids are incredible. I mean, they are three deep at multiple spots. They, they've turned three double plays, which I don't know if, if that wows you, but it wows me. You, you think it's supposed to happen. It doesn't happen that often in high school ball. Uh, but they do. They they turn double plays. They they got Junior's ass out of a lot of trouble, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, so, no, he, he went five innings. He, uh, he allowed four hits, two runs. I think he stranded eight, but he gave up five walks. And he's not usually – I joke that, that he's kind of Ricky Vaughn, Mitch Williams. He's not a lefty, but he's just – 
he can either be a symphony or a, you know a mosh pit quite frankly and and he's he's he battles i mean he finds his way uh, out of trouble so he, thanks to his defense and his offense the kids either like him or 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 or, or they pretend to like him cuz whenever he throws man their 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 run supports nuts and uh, they were able to win 13 to 2 yesterday doubleheader today up in Elkhorn gorgeous park haven't been to Elkhorn before been through Elkhorn like a lot of us but yeah it, it was sweet i mean uh, they've got this rooftop little district uh, right by the ballpark and maybe there was a vodka poured before the game and listen it was it was cool and they did their job and they uh, they hook up with northeast today at 11:30 and then they'll take on prep but the uh, what was what pedro serrano said Straight ball, I hit very well. Curveball, no hit. Well, flip it around for Junior. The the breaking pitch has been hit or miss, uh, more hit with when it comes to batters. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. He he got out of trouble. He's he's all right, and uh, he'll he'll be back at third today at some time. Well, that's good. The hot corner is that is that where he's? What does he prefer? Yeah. Well, I mean, he he likes pitching, but he. He's played third well, but they've got two other third basemen that are incredible, man. Mm. So it's it's you talk and we we hear coaches talk about competition all the time. It's true. I'm watching it every every time he takes the field or doesn't because of just what you gotta you gotta bring to practice or or be able to bring to the game every day. So uh, there's that. So no, it, it was it was good day. How, how about you guys? How was oh. Billy D and you? you had a good time, okay. Connor as well. Dolan and I had a great time. We we had, uh, <clears throat> we had Connor check in for an hour or two, and uh, discuss some salt dogs with Connor. Uh, discussed new Husker basketball commit, new Husker football commit, and Jaden Doss. Really, uh, a good little Friday of uh, everything you could want to talk about and, and more. And then back in here this morning, off to go umpire this afternoon. It's just a beautiful weekend altogether. I'm I'm a little nervous about this rain that we got in the forecast here in the next. Well, couple it looks hours. cloudy, and but I, I checked the forecast, and it like thirty percent this hour, and then not again till four or four forty five ish later. So uh, we have a spy uh, when it comes to uh, the Friday night lights and, and weekend, and uh, uh, we, we will call him. Uh, Wild Cherry, because I think that is his favorite music group from the 70s. Wild Cherry indicates that uh, Frost has a number of, of recruits out at his lake house, which is cool. That is, that's fantastic for an official visit. Hey, what do you want to go do? Do you want to check out the academic center? Well, sure. Do you want to check out uh, the, the rail yard or O Street? Yeah, within reason. Uh, but you're not 21, so just wave. Uh, how about going to the lake house? Let's throw something on the grill and go catch a seven-pound bass. Done. <laughs> right? I mean, just just get the camaraderie uh, and the relationship development on that level. Right? I mean, who, where else would you rather be on a Friday night? I'd, my vote is somewhere by the water and in front of a grill. And also, when you think about this, think about where these kids are coming from and, and what their preconceived notions are of Nebraska. 
Right. It's probably not, not lake not, houses. Not, and... not sick lake house. Yeah, like. exactly. <laughs> oh, this is your lake house? Yeah. <laughs> An entire third world country can live in the basement from a size standpoint. But no, I, that, that's absolutely true. Well, and then while you're at it, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure his lake house is up closer to the Omaha area. You, you mm-hmm. can show... The recruits around the other metro area of, uh, of Nebraska as well. You saw Lincoln. Here's the lake house. We can go check out Omaha, too. It's only an hour up the road if you want to go up to Omaha during your time here. I, I like this idea a lot. Well, it, it's just, it's more, it's it's really kind of reinforcing the, the family mm-hmm. aspect part of it. Where How how, how rumor mill is this, though? No, it's, it's legit. You're, you're okay. It's okay. legit. Total legit. Somebody's got his sources. Well, I mean, I think it's been reported, too. I, I haven't seen it, so. No, but one guy that said, yeah, I'm in, is Jaden Doss, a uh, talented wide receiver. And, and he was a, up last weekend. Doss uh, was uh, one of, of many Kansas City targets Nebraska has been after. And... uh you uh, bump into Bill Bush, you give him a, a hug and a high five if he's a hugger and a high fiver. But the Bush man delivers again. Uh, this is the first in, in quite a while. Uh, Nebraska able to land from Kansas City. And you look at this. We were asking Greg, and we'll revisit this conversation in about 20 minutes or so. But Nebraska is in on some elite level wide receiver talent. That's great. Um, how many are you going to take? <laughs> how many, the better, better yet, Elijah, how many can you take? But the DOS commitment's critical because, well, it starts with the wide receiver position in the whole class. Three's the number for 2023. So there's two spots now. You've got Malachi Coleman that you'd assume has a scholarship being held for him. Uh, which means there's just one receiver spot left. Uh, Coming into the fold, you have Josh Manning, who will make his visit today. And then you have O'Marion Miller, the LSU commit that could flip. O'Marion Miller, I believe I saw from the Friday Night Lights camp last night, his uh, his two on-campus hosts were DeColdis Crawford and Trey Palmer, two yeah, other two two Mickey Joseph guys. Yeah. Yep. Right. So if you you got Miller and you got Manning, and then you got the spot for for Malachi Coleman, and then you got the athlete Nagoy, who's in Washington this weekend, which is great. And you know, you want to just push comes to shove. <laughs> you you have the the one as Husker fans to to get and keep your in-state kids here. You want to win, but you really like winning with your guys. And you want to win with your in-state guys versus losing said in-state guys somewhere else. And if you're going to lose Malachi Coleman, and I don't know that they will, you don't know if you're going to get him either. But you'd prefer he goes to a Georgia or an Oregon rather than see him for three and a half, four years kicking your ass at Minnesota. Or say Ohio State gets on board with him. Or, right, it's like, okay, it's fine. You, you can't win them all. Nebraska needs to start winning more in state. 
but you don't want to get beat in your own division, in your own league, while there's still divisions that exist um, by, by, by a Nebraska kid. That will drive you in, in, insane. So you, you, you have some clarity with the wide receiver numbers and what, what's available, right? You, you pretty much have one spot left. Two, Bill Bush... Uh, is is beefing up Kansas City, and we've detailed this quite often that in the transfer and NIL era, the portal era, uh, it's really easy to take off for a better option or offer. Uh, Will you think twice about doing that if you're closer to home, right? And we've highlighted a lot of the attrition here the last three years with Nebraska football, and a lot of the kids leaving, and part of it was due to COVID, right? Because you couldn't go do anything. You couldn't experience life. Uh, yet a lot of the Florida kids depart. You know, Florida's a hell of a long way from Nebraska. Kansas City is not. And uh, that, that general 500-mile radius vicinity uh, makes it maybe a little easier to cope with, not always, but cope with the ups and downs of college life and transitioning into uh, well, we'll call it pro football with NIL. And the the thing that is good, too, is it, it just reinforces that despite going three and nine or five and seven or four and eight, that it is about relationships. It's about connections. And it's also about vision. And if you're Jaden Doss and you see what this offense can become, at quarterback, at wide receiver, on the offensive line, as a big picture, you you must have really liked it from a fit standpoint. Obviously, Mickey Joseph and and, and Bill Bush are uh, giant giant reasons Nebraska is going to win on the recruiting trail now. Coach Applewhite as well. Those three guys, along with Fisher, I mean, you've got a freaking money staff to go get kids, get them on here, be real with them. And then develop them, and that that's that's big time. We'll get into this uh, with Vogel and, and Sharpie as well. But Elijah, did you see much, or did you look deep into the Ryan Day article, Cleveland.com? We we spent about ten minutes on it yesterday, but we could, we could definitely dive further in depth here. Did, yeah. I did get to read the entire article, and man, is there just some? I mean, he's estimating that it would take. $2 million a year for high-level quarterbacks in terms of NIL money and high-level offensive tackles. Here's your rundown. Here's your rundown. Here's your rundown. Here's what Ohio State's putting out there. Ohio State says, you know what, if you want to stay on top, this is Ryan Day, and he's sitting down at a panel, and it was about 100 business people at an NIL event on a Thursday. And I'm pretty sure, I mean, I, I wasn't there, but you know, Sharpie's alluded to the end of May Trev Albert summit, right, to some of the friends of the program. I mean, everyone who has their ducks in a row is having this conversation with their uh, their boosters of substance. You're all important. Some of you have more green than others. If you're willing to spend that, this is the direction that the world is going. And we've said it, you can adapt or die. Well, your football team's going to run about 13 mil a year, 
right? <laughs> that's your that's your number, and we're talking about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a player at minimum. Five hundred thousand for about twenty six guys. You're too deep. Your starters that you can't live without, and I I you may or may not like it. I may or may not like it, but this this is what the world is now. And you have an option. You can stomp your feet and be pissed and not participate. Then you can fall behind. Or you can pony up past the hat and we'll get in there. Ryan Day's already shown that he in his development, his expertise as quarterback, he has shown that Ohio State is for real with their quarterback development. Stroud's incredible. Um, uh, you have Freeman, not not, not Josh Freeman, but uh, uh, Cardell Jones. Well, Cardale Jones was Dwayne a, Haskins. Well, Haskins, but but after Haskins to the Bears. Oh, Justin Fields. Fields, uh, not Freeman, not not Josh Freeman, but Justin Fields. Forgive me. Same body type, like you know, linebacker playing quarterback. <laughs> 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 it's a, it a recruiting blast from the past. Forgive me there, the old Freeman take. And but, still somehow runs like a sub 4 six, Yeah, just, just freak unreal. insane athlete, smart dude. So there's bang, bang, bang as you're now a first-round quarterback you, okay, is Ohio State. Two million a quarterback, about a million for left tackle, about a million for edge rusher. Right, I mean, those are your three priority spots. And, Not and, far behind probably receiver. Uh, not far behind is probably a defensive back, secondary, or hybrid defender. And what's interesting to me whenever I read this article, and I was thinking about this, of the schools Ryan Day would know that went out and got themselves a high-level quarterback this offseason and a high-level pass rusher defensive end this offseason, I, I wonder if, if Nebraska's nil stuff with oshan and, and casey thompson is impacting his numbers here and the kind of numbers he's putting out there for two million for a high level starting quarterback one million for a high level defensive end pass rusher i wonder if and i don't think it's necessary to speculate how much these guys are making nil money but it is it, it makes you wonder i wonder how much nebraska is 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 falling in line with this or is this the ohio state number is this the number ryan day is giving to his boosters is he bumping everything up saying we're ohio state let's put a 50 percent surcharge on everything everything everyone else's is, is well i think there. here's what i believe i believe i you're going to need 13 to 15 million dollars in operating capital because if you can't match don't match or won't match then you have your 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 Bolitnikov winner going from Pitt to USC. You're going to go to a better option to showcase you. So we got a couple of, of, of mesh points to discuss. One, do you only go after kids that, all right, maybe they are equal on the talent level spectrum and they just, they just want to win or they like the fit better than money or does that even matter anymore are there, are there so f- few kids like that out there that they're just going to go to the highest bidder fit or not and and I think 
more times than not, if you can take care of your family before you even get out of college, you're going to do that. Or you're going to take care of yourself. That's just the way of the world, right, wrong, whatever. But you, you need to be able to protect yourself, insulate yourself through NIL from the portal. And I think that's where this number's coming from. Mm. All things being equal, hey, we can get you this, but what we can offer you that they can't, we can offer you a chance to win a national championship. can also offer you a, a chance to really get developed at a high level. You may go to X and be one of just a few, and guess what? You're going to get keyed on. You won't put the numbers up that you will here, or maybe you won't put the numbers up here, but, man, we're going to showcase the hell out of you. Think of, think of the receiver core at, at Ohio State. What happened when they went to the, the Rose Bowl? They were down to really just Smith and Jigba because the two other first-rounders, I think Olave played, but one of their top wideouts didn't play against Utah. I thought it was both. It might have been both. I believe it was It might have been right. So it was just Smith and Jigma smoking people. Well, that's why he had, like, what, 300 yards he, he did. But guess who, guess who was prepared and stepped up? Starvin Marvin Jr. Marvin Harrison mm-hmm. Jr. came in, had a, had a really good game, right? That Ohio State's receiving core was much different than Alabama's backups. And Saban was pissed and went off about guys didn't take the, the process every day because they weren't starting to get better. Well, Ohio State's guys were ready when called upon, even though it was the last game of the season. You're going to need to keep as much as you can. And maybe you're the eighth, ninth, tenth guy that's a four-star, and you're buried. And you're going to be buried for at least a year. Well, do you hit reset because the portal happens, and you can get equal cash somewhere else? So that's part of this preemptive Let's lay it all out there. I don't know if it's in reference to keep up with Nebraska because I, I think Ohio State's. I mean, the, in, in the, the, same, the rest of the Big Ten's keeping up with Ohio State. Well, I mean, there are some schools. I mean, I don't. I, I don't think Purdue's nil savvy already, or even at least this as far along as Nebraska is clearly not because they've lost some they lost their receivers battle to mm-hmm. Nebraska with the transfer uh, the kid out of Texas I don't know that the Michigan's down this this is your seam to get in if you're struggling or a program that has been a bit shaky can you accelerate can you create a new life for yourself so to speak as a football program through nil and portal if you have the resources financially that's what so many of these old guard winners are worried about is losing power not only of their locker room but also keeping the death grip on being the top four or five football teams in the country because now there is uh air quote parody if you have a, a, a program that was willing to spend it and pay for it, they can get good real quick, a la SMU, in the uh, payroll to meet. <laughs> and potentially here in the future, USC. Yeah, well, SC's going to do their thing anyway. Apparently they don't have a collective, but I don't know that I buy that. Or maybe it's just the, the Lincoln-Riley fascination. So it's uh, it's interesting well, to it, see it, the numbers laid out there and – 
you may hate it, but it is what it is. And until it's either fixed or shifted or more organized or there's some czar of college football, I think you can look at it one of two ways. Just pout about it and be sad that this is what college football's turned into. Or you can say, all right, this is a shot. Nebraska now has has always had the resources. It's had the fan base. And does Nebraska got infinite oil money like A&M? No. But because of who Nebraska's got on the recruiting front and the boosters and the, the and Husker Nation, this is your window to, to climb back in. Well, and you, you might not like it, but let me po- pose it to you this way with – how much just disgusting money these coaches are making every single year. I mean, Lincoln Riley's uh, making 10 million plus a year to be at USC. I believe Ryan days somewhere. Is it nine? Yeah. It's somewhere around that Saban's 10 million around mark. nine or 10. Does it not make sense that the players who are doing the job on the field are, are making collectively as a team, if the $13 million number is accurate more than the coach, I mean, the, the coaches do great work, but that's always that's been a problem in college football for the past decade. Now, when you look at how much money these coaches are making and compare it to these college athletes who how are How much struggling. money is the school making? How much money is the university making? How much money is the conference making? How much money is the head coach making? Who's doing the work for it? Now the, the players are just getting, I mean, $13 million on its face. You go, wow, that's a lot of money every but single year. But, but you look at how much money guys. is in the whole. I mean, these boosters are, are happily shelling out. $25 million for buyout payments for coaches. Why not invest that money directly into the team? I mean, I, I don't want to – I know this doesn't feel like college football, but this is the era we're in right now, and does it not make sense that the players in the field are making more than the coach collectively? I'm not saying any individual player should be making more than the coach. That wouldn't feel like college football to me at all. Um, <laughs> that, that would just feel wrong whenever no, a player I mean, has more power there, than the coach. A, but, there's been but, a paradigm shift, yes. But, I mean, it, it makes sense when you just look at it from how the world works that the guys on the field are making some money for themselves and as a whole they're making more than the coach it, i look at it and wow that it's just disgusting money it really is but it makes it's sense. but it it does make sense here's the thing that's that's hard for for fa- some fans for coaches uh to to get your arms around it and probably potential nil boosters there's people out there thinking about pulling the trigger how am i going to spend my money to pimp my product am i gonna do your traditional advertising route or am i gonna go get an endorsement deal so i can get a little roi and a bang for my buck well the the problem i would have is is shelling out an insane amount of money for somebody that's unproven Mm. eventually the pendulum will swing back the other way and it can't (laughs) how much of this is going to be up front Okay, is is my is my question. Half now, half later. <laughs> Do you have an incentive laden laden contract? Right? Is that it? Okay, you're supposed to come in and get me uh, 15 quarterback hurries, nine and a half sacks, and uh, for good measure, let's talk 14 TFLs. I mean, if 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 I'm going to be dropping two million dollars on a rush end, he better become Grant Wistrom. And then I. NIL rules say it can't be performance-based. It can't be based on performance on the field, but the rules say a lot of things. They do. Well, uh, rewind. Greg Smith, uh, we chatted with him on Thursday. He set the table for 
last night. Him and Aaron Sorensen, great video, kind of a recap from Memorial Stadium. Check that out on Hale Varsity's YouTube channel. Uh, but uh, Greg kind of laid out uh, this in-state uh, invasion that Nebraska has been facing from other programs with their in-state talent. Weekend editions here at Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for spending time. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. You see him on YouTube. You can stream him on the different uh, Hale Varsity channels. He's got his home office with you know, probably some Bears gear or Lakers stuff hanging up. But he's all over recruiting. It's recruiting time with Greg Smith from Hale Varsity at Greg Smith. HV on Twitter. Greg, you, you all geared up for Friday Night Lights. How you doing? I am. I'm very well. I'm busy. I have my, my coffee of choice next to me, so I might be a little wired right now because I got that second wind, uh, but I am ready for Friday Night Lights. What an opportunity for Nebraska, and, and that's what this has really turned into, and I think back to your years of covering Nebraska and Friday Night Lights, and it, it you know, think about the, the, the hype and the hope with uh, with the the first rendition of Friday Night Lights back in the Riley era, the, the Micah Parsons uh, season, right, where he was right. running go routes. And, you know, coincidentally, also you, you had some in-state kids like a la, you know, Garrett Nelson was a part of that, too. Right. And uh, Garrett's still here on the cover of Hail of Our City, and, and Micah's doing his thing in Dallas. I look at how things have continued to, to grow for the state of Nebraska and their football athletes. And, Greg, we're talking nine in-state Power 5 offers. Some are headed to Lincoln. Some Nebraska's going to have to fight for. And we talked with Vogel about this. But I want to get your take on just the evolution of in-state talent and, and out-of-state suitors. Yeah, it has been a remarkable thing to see kind of unfold. And I think there's, there's a lot of different reasons um, why this has happened. And I've written a little bit about this or a couple of times uh, here over the last couple of weeks. I talked to uh, the Archbishop uh, Bergen uh, up in Fremont coach after uh, Cade McIntyre got his latest round of offers, including Oklahoma, about this. And kind of his thinking was, as part of it, is kids in this state are no longer see themselves as, hey, I'm a local guy. I have to stay at the in-state school. 
school. Like I can't definitely can't leave the Midwest. Uh, they're now seeing themselves as kind of global citizens and guys that can move wherever around the country. And you're starting to get um, a lot more interest from these out-of-state schools and coming into Nebraska to put these offers down. Like you would have just not seen years ago, um, you know, Oklahoma or Tennessee coming into, you know, Bergen and Fremont and saying, hey, we want an offer a kid that's on the rise. Like you just, that sort of stuff has been a fairly recent phenomenon. Um, and Nebraska has definitely got their work cut out for them trying to keep a lot of these kids home um, because the talent continues to explode in the state. Junior Bryant, a prep kid that went to Notre Dame, the great Ty Good from my high school, Lincoln Southeast, ended up at Notre Dame. And that's really it. Larry Station went to Iowa, right? Uh, you've got a few few kids from smaller communities that ended up in, in, in Iowa as well. And then Harrison Phillips, obviously, off to Stanford. Well, then you, then you got a whole run within the past 10 years. You'll get Easton Stick to North Dakota State. Uh, you had... Uh, you mentioned Harrison Phillips. You add Noah Fant to that list. Fant to uh, Iowa. Yeah, three of the Ott. Johnsons. <laughs> yeah, Ott, yeah, but at least it's been, aside from the Notre Dame and Stanford, it's been Iowa or an Iowa oh, State. Right. But now we're talking Oregon. Now we're talking Auburn. Now we're talking Oklahoma. And, Greg, it kind of comes down to, and I think Vogue's hit on this, and I think it's something that, that you've probably written about, that that invincibility is not out there anymore where dude we're not going to waste our time we're not getting them anyway that that thoughts out the window yeah, it, it definitely is. You know, I was I was just thinking too as you were saying that Benny and Goy from Lincoln High is going yeah. out on an official visit to Washington, right? Like you just you just have not seen that uh, in previous years where these guys are going all over the place. But yeah, I think that feeling of invincibility is definitely not um, there. That fear factor from other schools is not there anymore, um, and it's for a couple of reasons. I think that when you start to see other schools have success coming into the state, that uh, kind of emboldens those schools. Um, but then also, you know, some of these ones that we just name, and it's some of the more famous ones or, or infamous ones, are ones where Nebraska either kind of drug their feet or misevaluated or that sort of thing. Um, and, and so that ends up being a little bit of an issue, too. And that spans multiple staff. That's not a shot at this current mm-hmm. staff necessarily. Um, that's gone with, with multiple staffs now as well. Greg, let's uh, run down who's uh, on the docket. And we've got uh, different categories. You've got the skill guys with Manning and O'Mary and Miller and Malachi at receiver, uh, Barry Jackson, the athlete. But you also have three pretty intriguing linemen. We'll start with Brock Knudsen out of Scotts Bluff. And uh, give me a thought on on where the race is for Brock. You have Herring, of course. And then also uh, Yuli, a Georgia commit. Those are three good size old linemen, man. Yeah, that's an understatement right there. Uh, Newton, uh, definitely a kid that I think Nebraska is in good position with uh, out of Scott's Bluff. Um, he's got a, an official visit set later this month to Iowa State. I think the Huskers are going to try to do everything they can to not have that Iowa State visit happen. If they can lock him down this weekend, um, they would gladly take his commitment, and I think they can do it. There's just going to be some work to be done there, but he has a really good relationship um, with Donovan Rayola. Um, Amir Herring um, is a kid that could probably profiles as a 
a center or a guard um, out of Michigan, who I think is one of the better offensive linemen in that region. Um, in Nebraska's battle in Michigan there, but the wrinkle there is he's, this will be his third visit to Nebraska. So it's not like, you know, these guys are coming out um, kind of green on what's happening in Lincoln or anything like that or have a, a not-so-great relationship with the coaches. It's his third visit here. Um, spring game was the last one. Mom's coming out for this visit. So that's always a good thing. You know, I've got in my Twitter bio, always bring the mom on the OV because that's always important. Um, and then uh, Bo Hughley, uh, the offensive lineman out of Georgia. Listen, I stood next to him on the sideline at the spring game, and that kid is all of six, seven, three. 300 pounds like that looks like the kids that commit to the SEC and then stay for three years and then go on to play in the NFL. Um, I don't know where the Huskers necessarily stand with him right now. They got him back for a second visit um, in a few months and they're putting their best foot forward. That's going to be a tough flip uh, from the 2022 champs. Greg Smith's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio and Greg while we're talking SEC country here let's go down south to, to Louisiana where Sounds like Mickey Joseph's been making inroads on, on a wide receiver, O'Marion Miller, and, and I believe he's going to be in town this weekend. Can you tell me a little about him? Yeah, he will be in town this weekend. Uh, he's 6'2", 190 pounds. Um, he committed to LSU almost a year ago, uh, but a lot has changed uh, since that commitment, right? you got Mickey Joseph, who's now in Lincoln as a wide receivers coach. you got Brian Kelly and a whole new staff at LSU, um, and he's probably the next in line of those really good Louisiana wide receivers. He's a high four-star kid um, that can really play uh, football. Now, he decommitted from LSU last week or over the weekend, um, so that's great timing for the Huskers uh, with that official visit coming up this weekend. I do. There are other teams, Texas A&M, Miami, others that are involved here, but none of them have official visits set up at this point. I think the Huskers are in a good position, all because Mickey Joseph has a great relationship with him because that was the coach he committed to previously. Greg, going to go in-state. We mentioned uh, Brock, and, and you got Nebraska that wants to kind of lock him down. Uh, the Malachi-Coleman update, where's a lean on him if you have any intel on that also Maverick Noonan uh, I know that that he's probably pretty intrigued by Stanford and that helps uh, that cause with his relationship with with Harrison Phillips uh, and, and we know what he did at Stanford and what he's done in the NFL but where's Nebraska in the pecking order in the race for for Coleman and for Noonan yeah, I, I think Coleman is a little bit more wide open at this point. Now, listen, the, the bigger recruit that he's gotten, the more he's kind of, you know, quieted things down a little bit as, as far as, you know, kind of giving out information. And I do know that he's going to go into official visits. He's out on the books for Michigan, Oklahoma, and Oregon. We're talking about, again, Nebraska kids that have options all over the country. Uh, Coleman is definitely in that boat. Um, I think Nebraska's in a good spot. They just are going to have to continue to fight on that one. I, I think that he's, he's obviously a really talented recruit, but with Mickey Joe, kind of leading the charge on that recruitment. I like Nebraska's ability to potentially come out on top eventually there. I don't think it's going to be soon, but eventually. Uh, Maverick Noonan, I actually think the Huskers um, are kind of a, he's kind of a Nebraska lean at this point. Um, I do agree with you about the Stanford factor. I think the Cardinal um, have his attention and there is a Harrison Phillips factor there. I know those guys train together when Harrison's in the offseason out at the Warren Academy, so I think that Stanford is definitely a player. Uh, but he's also going to go check out Iowa, but I think that he's a Nebraska lean at this point. And the Huskers just need to continue pushing the right buttons there. Yeah, and, and Maverick Noonan projects to be a, a pretty good pass rusher at the college level, but there's a couple other guys Nebraska's bringing in this weekend. Uh, the two uh, I'm seeing here are Ashley Williams out of Louisiana and one 
I'll be honest, Greg. We'll I don't want to say mess up Mr. The name. We'll just say Mr. Mr. Green. Yes, <laughs> Mr. Green. Yeah, Adonis Green, uh, who is actually a Louisville commit. Um, the Huskers and, and Nebraska got him on campus for that spring game. Start. Stop me if you heard that before, because remember there was that. We talked about this around the spring game time. There was this huge group of guys that came from Georgia. Like a few of them were at the same high school, um, and three of them are actually coming to Nebraska this weekend. Um, but they made an impression on a number of those guys. Green being one of them. Now Louisville should not feel. I don't think all that great about his commitment at this point because uh, I think he's taken four or five official visits, including out to Louisville. So I think he's kind of wide open at this point, but he's definitely a talented edge rusher. Um, and then you also have uh, what was, who was, oh, Adonja Green was the, was the other guy. Ashley no, Williams. William, sorry, there's a, there's a lot of guys here <laughs> that are coming out. Uh, but Ashley Williams is a guy that has really blown up on the scene here lately. Um, when he was as a junior, uh, he had 89 tackles and 14 sacks, 22 tackles for loss. Um, so he's now got schools from all over the country coming after him um, to secure his services. But Nebraska's getting the first official visit there from him. And I think the Huskers have recruited him hard, led by Sean Becton and crew as well. Greg, what's the wide receiver number Nebraska wants to take for 2023? And how many of these guys can flip to the other side of the ball? Because we truly don't know where Malachi wants to play or is being projected. We know he's looked at it wide out, tight end, or, or defensive end. We, we know that he can do all three of those, but no one's really heard from him. You know, what do you want to do in college? So we talked with Ben uh, Benny Nagoy. And Washington with with, uh, with their new head coach. I mean, I think they'll they'll kind of return to prominence under under their new coach. He's really good out of Fresno State, formerly of, of South Dakota University. But Benny's kind of a two way guy too in the secondary and also at wide receiver. Are there enough wide receiver spots to if Nebraska can go perfect and get all of them, take all of them? And that's that's Nagoy, that's Coleman, that's Manning, that's Miller. Yes, yeah, somebody, it's going to be interesting because somebody's going to get squeezed out here unless they can take a couple of guys as kind of that athlete right. spot. So Malachi, like you mentioned, at athlete. Barry Jackson is another guy yeah. who's coming in this oh, yeah. weekend who could also be an athlete type. Uh, don't forget that Jaden Doss um, out of the Kansas City area visited a couple of weekends ago, and I really like the Huskers' position with him right now. Um, and then you've got Miller as well. Joshua Manning has been a guy we've been talking about for over a year now um, out of Lee Summit, Missouri, and he'll be back in town this weekend too the the number i think is probably three and then we'll see if nebraska can get an athlete or two that they just can't turn away because a couple of those guys and others um are guys that you just wouldn't want to turn away if you're the huskers tell me about don travius braswell he is the the one running back that that i'm seeing on on your reports that nebraska is really going hard after who's his lead record lead recruiter and what what's his area what's his region yeah, so so Braswell is another kid that's from down in Georgia. Um, Nebraska, Georgia is, gonna, is a big theme uh, for this weekend. Um, Sean Becton, um, a lead recruiter there, but also Brian Applewhite doing work um, with him too. And he's a good prospect, 5'11", 200 pounds. I think the Huskers right now are in a position well with him as well. Um, Nebraska and South Carolina are the two schools, only two schools that he has official visits set up to. Um, and he's a really fast kid, verified 10-7 in the 100-meter dash. Um, we know Brian Applewhite. I loves his track athletes as well. He told me uh, that he really doesn't like to recruit running backs unless they run track. It's not just because he wants to see if they're fast, but he wants to see them compete uh, in something else as well. Greg, how, how confident 
should Nebraska fans feel, not only from an evaluation, but a close, get the, get the close, get the yes with with this revamped staff, with, with a guy like Bush, with a guy like Mickey, with a guy like Applewhite? I think they should feel pretty good uh, about the ability to close with this staff. I think that you're going to see a little bit of a different tactic about trying to push a little harder uh, for these guys to get in the class. And I think one of the things that kind of tips me off to that, and we've talked a lot about similar positions, right? You've got a number of edge rushers, a number of offensive linemen, wide receivers coming in, right? And so I think being able to say, hey, if you don't get in, someone else is going to take that spot. That leverage play always works or works a lot, especially when guys have really strong interest in your program and you combine that with really good recruiters i I think that that's a good recipe for nebraska greg before we get you out of here about less than a minute left here uh, i gotta ask you this this friday night lights cape has been a a, a big recruiting deal for nebraska for a a number of years now so i want to pose the question how how many straight years now have you been uh, covering this friday night lights camp Oh boy, since, well, since they started, so since like that Micah Parsons one uh, that Schmidt mentioned, so it's been what, five, six years now? Hmm. Hmm. You know, uh, Elijah was at Friday Night Lights uh, the year before, the year before the Micah Parsons camp. Did, did you participate in the camp? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't I, get a write-up, so I'm not sure how you missed that one. Oh, we're, we're oh just, we're, I missed you, he, my bad. No, that, that's fine, but we were just wondering, how's Greg going to react to this? Because Elijah smacked me because I like, dude, you, you went? What? <laughs> no, I didn't know either, do, Greg. It's okay. Just, yeah, you should just lie and say you were at the Micah Parsons one and no one remembers because Micah stole your thunder. That's the See, way you got it. And, and I can't remember if they put, they used to put on like multiple a month. I think they still do, and I can't remember if I was the week before Mike or the year before Mike. I know I wasn't in the exact same one as him, but yeah, that so one goes. is one that what, what people, people never forget. I was, yeah, the, right. I was the zero star recruit. I, I didn't want to go up against Micah Parsons. That's for sure. Well, <laughs> as much private. as as much as I loved Coach Cav, uh, he he missed out. Could have had Elijah Elijah blocking on the edge. Greg, we'll talk again soon. Thanks for the time, bud. Hey, have a good weekend, guys. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe. Promo code GBR. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. With you, Tower 2, it's the weekend edition, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in managing editor, HailVarsity.com and magazine, Brandon Vogel, author, Dream Like a Champion. Find him on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel. Vogues, uh, good night, good weekend, uh, scheduled for Nebraska, and it will start off with Friday Night Lights. Quite a showcase, bud. Yeah, that remains one of the, you know, big recruiting wins, you know, credit to to Mike Riley's staff uh, during that era for kind of 
coming up with that and letting the fans in, you know, it makes for a pretty fun event. I think for everyone involved, current players at Nebraska, uh, prospects that are here on official recruiting visits, prospects that are trying to, you know, maybe get in front of, of college coaches and, and then the coaches themselves. You know, I think when you get to kind of, it's, it's, it's awesome to, to work with the elite athletes, but something about you know, working, I think, directly with high school kids kind of gets you back to your roots a little bit. So it's a, it's a win on all fronts. Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. And, you know, Nebraska gets a commit last night out of Missouri. And considering all the attrition work that you have done and the recruiting work and, um, you know, how Nebraska can basically keep the guys that it, you know, signs to its recruiting classes. How important is that to get guys from Missouri, which has been a little bit tough sledding lately? Yeah, it has been, particularly St. Louis. And, you know, we're on the, the other end of the state. But, you know, based on the the uh, attrition kind of probability measures that I came up with, and I, you know, I need to update them for the past class and a half or so, which will be interesting because, well, I mean, those players haven't had a ton of opportunity to depart, um, whether that be from Nebraska or anywhere else. But it's also just a different era in recruiting. But in the past, over the past, say, 10, 11 seasons, basically the entire time Nebraska's been in the Big Ten, the players that you keep around the longest are, are those that are closest to Lincoln, and Kansas City is certainly in that group. And it, it tends to be, this is this was kind of one an interesting thing when I did that story, you know, a year or two ago, was this time in the calendar seems to be the sweet spot. So late commits, uh, you, you, have, you run a little more risk of, of those players leading, at least in the past Nebraska had, really early commits uh, as well. So this summer window is when Nebraska – historically has been able to to really make up a lot of ground and get players that are going to be fixtures for the next couple of seasons. Mugs, in your opinion, why has Missouri, I mean, St. Louis, like, like you touched on a little further away, but is it as simple as Nebraska vacating the, the Big 12 as to why the, the, uh, the, the toll bridge, so to speak, has been shut down in Missouri? Yeah, I think there's there's that's that's part of it. I also think Missouri going to the SEC uh, is is part of that as well. So you know that Missouri prospect in 2002 might have been getting recruited by Missouri and Kansas and Iowa State. You know, it was basically it was squarely Big Twelve territory. I mean, I know other schools dropped in there and, and got players, of course, but squarely Big Twelve territory. Now you've got it divided between, okay, maybe a, a Kansas gets on a Kansas City kid early. Right, there's your Big 12 offer. Missouri comes along. You've got the SEC. Then you've got the Big 10. And I also think with, with all, all of those conferences then being involved, you also get some, some followers. So, you know, maybe Missouri's in, but maybe Arkansas is all of a sudden like, well, if the kid's got a Missouri offer. Maybe we need to take a closer look or a second look. So, it kind of compounds, and I think that you see that all over. Missouri's probably a really good example right now of it's just become a little bit borderless in a way that it wasn't, say, 20 years ago. Brandon Vogel with us on, on Hale Varsity Radio. How about the fact that recruiting rankings, based on everything we were just talking about with um, attrition and with keeping your roster, 
how much can you put into recruiting rankings? And are we at the state when we need to we're at the point where we need to like do an evaluation of, okay, out of these, like take Texas A&M, you know, number one recruiting class. But if like seven of those guys transfer, then what does that matter that they had the number one recruiting class? It's just like, is there some sort of way to evaluate the, the current talent that you have on the roster of sort of like the cumulative recruiting rankings this team now has based on who left or who transferred in is now this. Yeah, I think that's, that's you know, a lot still in flux. Like, people right now are trying to kind of, whether it's with returning productions or preseason power ratings, trying to account for transfers, but it's still early enough in that, you know, we haven't seen it to this state or to this level. Um, like, it's hard to know how to wait an uh, 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 incoming transfer. Like, you, you talk about Nebraska, well, they lose Adrian Martinez, so that's like 98% of their their passing yards. They bring in Casey Thompson. Do you, do you get all of his passing yards from Texas? Does it matter that the offense is different, that it's a different conference, all of this stuff? So figuring those things out, you know, I know 24-7 has had a, a team talent ranking, which is trying to, to do a little bit of, of what you're talking about, Mark, which is, okay, We'll, we'll take out all of those players that, you know, maybe got you a top five class three years ago, but half of them are gone. Uh, and so there, there's that piece of it, but it, it just, it, it seems kind of, it hasn't caught on in the way that recruiting rankings are. And, you know, we, we understand the three-star, four-star, five-star system. Is it, is it perfect? No, I think we all understand it's, it's, it's not perfect. And any sort, anything that's trying to project isn't always going to be 100% accurate. So it's, it's strange. I mean, I think there's a lot of things you could potentially do, but how we've always done them is, is kind of so set in the college football firmament at this point that change comes pretty slowly. Yeah, and, and Brandon, with all this change, I mean, the, the transfer portal, you got to go in and re-recruit your own kids that you've already brought to campus. Moving forward in, in the world of college football, how much – of high school recruiting do you think is going to be taken away from I mean, the, the time and effort of the coaches in terms of now you have to divert time towards the transfer portal and sitting down with your kids at the end of the year, making sure that they're not leaving and going into the transfer portal. Do you think that high school recruiting is going to take a backseat, I guess, is, is the question I'll pose to you. Yeah, I don't think you ever take a take a backseat, but you know, if we're if we're talking a uh, old school pickup truck, it, it got moved from the passenger seat. Now it's got to sit in the middle. And if it's stick shift, <laughs> high school recruiting's got got to deal with you know the driver shifting, shifting and banging its knee every every couple of every couple of miles. It's I think I think what's happening, and I think if you you know we're able to talk to a large group of coaches they would probably tell you that their high school recruiting, like the amount of time they've spent on it probably hasn't changed a whole lot. I think they've just had to, in addition, either through staff additions, hiring some people who can specialize in the portal and a couple of programs that have those play, have those people. Um, I think just the, the transfer piece of it becomes extra. It's just additional time that these coaches have to spend and already spent basically – almost every hour they had it to, to run a big time football program. So I don't think this has been very easy on the coaches, but I, I, I don't know that high school recruiting will ever be able to, to fully be, you know, a program out there where they're just like, well, 
we go transfer portal first and then we worry about high school. It's, it's, it's a dangerous game and you could fall, fall behind pretty quickly if you do that. It really comes down to how, how right can you be with your evaluations on multiple levels with JUCO, with portal, with high school. And you've got a little bit of growing time with high school, uh, presumably, opposed to the JUCO or even the portal come in and win now, right? You, you have some film and tape and there's some proof. You're a pretty good Division One football player. Come just do it in a different league and a different offense in a different uh, region. <laughs> so it's all we're asking. Uh, and then you, you get the walk-on factor too, Vogues. And I ask this because you, you listen to Coach Osborne or, or Coach McBride or, or Barry Alvarez and the walk-ons, Barry's term for it was a racer, right? You, you, you missed on a couple of defensive linemen, but well, here's J.J. Watt, right? Best case scenario, best example, right? Not Clearly not the norm. Same with the Jared Tomich as a walk-on. But, man, uh, your, your D-line looked pretty good for a lot of years with both of those guys, and they were undervalued and overperformed. Do you, um, do you look at the portal, my friend, as, as kind of that, that new wave 2.0 version of, of, of your mulligan if you, if you do miss on a high school kid? It, I think it can be, and I think that's how it's, how it's viewed. You know, I mean, Nebraska has been as active as, you know, all but a handful of schools in the, the transfer portal in, in this year. And, you know, you, you look at the guys that they bring in, and they all kind of make sense. Like, we all can understand the, the needs Nebraska has, and they bring in players to address those needs, and those players were, you know, good enough to get a scholarship offer to Alabama or Texas or, or what have you. And that's all good. I think it's it's still, you know, trying to figure out what is that conversion rate. Because you, you mentioned it. Like, it's really no different than what you're asking a, a high school signee to do in terms of, well, you're going to learn a new offense. You're going to be in a new place. You're, you're going to play against different teams. It's there's there's still a lot there, so it'll be interesting to see as we get a couple of years down the road. Like, what is what is the conversion rate? Are those transfers able to kind of pick things up more more quickly? Because if it turns out that eh, yeah, they're a, a little bit better able to, they, they've been in the college game before, so that obviously helps. But it's not a huge difference. Like, if if I were a coach, then I would go back to kind of prioritizing high school recruiting and doing that as well as I could and, and having the time to develop those guys from the very start. So it, it, we'll see. There's always going to be some high profile, you know, a Kenneth Walker, for, for example. The, those examples are always going to stand out. But you look back at the transfer portal from last year. That's not the majority of guys. You're not, that's, not the, that's not the typical transfer you're going to get. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio. And, of course, that topic, multiple topics, going to be covered in the yearbook, which is uh, coming out, the Hale Varsity yearbook. thought I saw a glimpse of Garrett Nelson on the cover. Did I see that right? And I'm assuming that story is interesting just because that guy is uh, not a normal bloke, is he? He's not. Um, and, and you did see Garrett Nelson on our cover. And, you know, <sighs> 
he's he's a player who we, we've seen play a lot of football games already at Nebraska. And, you know, I, I think back to that freshman year where, like, the the raw talent and definitely the effort was apparent right away. I mean, that's why he was on the field as, as a true freshman, because it was clear there was still, you know, pretty big adjustments there to be made in terms of just playing Big Ten football, uh, knowing what he, you know, knowing what the expectations were in a, in a new defense. And Garrett talked about that um, himself. So that piece of it was there, but I will say this story, which uh, deputy editor Aaron Sorensen wrote and did a great job with, I think really gives you an understanding of why Garrett is where he's at going into this 22 season, 2022 season, which I think has a chance to be really big for him. You know, I, I know Athlon put him on first team All Big Ten uh, at, at linebacker in their projections. Nebraska hasn't had a first team All Conference linebacker since Levante David. So if he were to get there, that would be a very, very big deal for for the Huskers. And, and I don't think that's a, a crazy projection to make. I'm, I'm really high on Garrett. And through this story, which people will get to see soon when they, when they get the yearbook, I think you'll have a better understanding of how he's come as far as he has. Brandon Vogel is with us here on the Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, yesterday we had, we had Bill Dolman join us on the show. And he's been saying it for a while, and he brought the point up again yesterday that he believes Garrett Nelson is the the most important recruit of the the Scott Frost era uh, in terms of being a Nebraska kid, in terms of what he brings to the defense, just that 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 type of player that he is, uh, hearkening back to the old '90s defenses. And I, I just want to get your your instant reaction to that, Garrett Nelson being the most important recruit of the Scott Frost era. Yeah, I, I, I could see where that argument comes from. Um, and, and he, in a lot of ways, and you know, just the reaction to releasing that cover this week, we, we saw this from a lot of people. I mean, more than one person <laughs> said they remind, that he reminds them of, of Trev Alberts, uh, which I can see. I mean, Trev Alberts was one of, if not the best linebacker in the country, uh, you know, as a Husker. So, so that's pretty high praise. But to have a, a, a homegrown kid like that, and, and not just, I don't mean this as, as a slight to the Metro at all, you know, for me, and I guess this is probably my bias is having grown up all the way out West. Like when he committed to Nebraska, I was like, Oh wow. They're, they're getting a player from, from Scott's bluff. I think in Nebraska's entire football history, there've only been 20 letter winners or so somewhere around there. From, from Scott's Bluff. And that's the biggest school out there. Like, and, you know, when I was in high school, even beyond, like, it just doesn't happen a whole lot that players from that far out there come to Nebraska. So I think it's important from, from that perspective. And then just having a guy who kind of came in, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Garrett ends up as a team captain this year. And the progression has been kind of, it's what you hope for every player in Nebraska signs, or if you're an Iowa fan, Missouri fan, whatever. Every player, any team signs, like they come in, they put in the work, they, they make, a, they show enough promise early, and then they just kind of continually progress. It's like the idealized form of, of what you hope for, for a high school football player making the transition to college. Vogues, I uh, want to stay with Western Nebraska. Why do you think it's so few and far between? You look at all the, the thousands of players that have put the, uh, the helmet on with the red N. And you look at the region. Uh, is it just a population thing? Is it a 
well, we think you can play here, but we'd prefer you walk on type deal. Yeah. Uh, what's your What's your take on the the few numbers? Yeah, I think it's mostly a, a function of of population. Uh, it's <laughs> it is not a densely populated part of the country. In fact, it's one of the least dense densely populated parts of the country when you're talking about about the Panhandle specifically and. So less players, but also like, and this is this is real. Like, I'm I'm from there. I wish this weren't the case, but it's it's the truth. Like, there, there's a difference in competition level there just because of that. Um, you might have you know five thousand prospective football players in in a different part of the state or or a different different state altogether. And out there, you might have 500 or so when you factor in all the schools that are out there. So that that makes a difference. Um, and the walk-on piece of this too factors in. You know, for a long time, for those players that were kind of kind of borderline between, uh, is this a scholarship player? Do we think we can get them as a walk-on? For a long time, Nebraska could feel pretty good that it would get them as a walk-on. I don't know that that is is totally the case anymore uh, when you see some of the offers that these, these local kids are getting now. Um, it's so much easier for schools anywhere in the country to watch film on, on a kid from Nebraska and figure out if he's a, a commit that they want to offer. And it wasn't happening in, in the past. Yeah, and well, we lose some of those kids to rodeo too, don't we? I mean, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. You can't have spring football because you got a brand, uh, you got a plant. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of kind of outside of athletics factors that that are also here. I'm glad you mentioned that. So, Nebraska's demise is because of rodeo and the Yellowstone Ranch. Do I do I have this right? <laughs> It's not the demise. Yeah, I think it's, that's I think that's accurate. Some of the time, yeah, there's the quote right there. I think that's accurate. And, you know, half of those, I mean, but you, there are so many, like, rodeo guys that could have been great, you know, linebackers or receivers. Yeah. But they don't. They, you know, they do rodeo. I mean, it, FFA is a great organization, but, you know, if you're really serious about football, it, it can be a distraction. Man, just there's always somebody out there poaching the top end talent, and here in Nebraska it's rodeo. Mm. Down in the south it's Bama, but here it's rodeo. Mm. There we go, <laughs> Vogues. Uh, well, that that on that note, um, buckle in. Going to be a, a pretty uh, pretty interesting weekend as things finish up for Friday Night Lights. Appreciate uh, your coverage and great stuff with the the yearbook, bud. All right, thanks, Mike. Cranach, you, you had to go rodeo there. I, I, I get a kick out of it, huh? Well, well <laughs> I always listen, think it. it's. Uh, I get a kick out of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would, you, you didn't even I mean that. I kind of, kind of, kind of didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I see you bucking the trend. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeehaw! Have another one. Uh, that's, uh, that's the way to go. Let's remind folks about uh, the yearbook and making sure you get said yearbook with your subscription. So Monday, June 6th, the last day to subscribe to Hale Varsity and guarantee your 2022 football yearbook as part of the subscription. Listeners to Hale Varsity Radio, log on. And uh, how about we take care of you a little bit here? HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe. Use the code yearbook for $30 off the first year 
of an annual subscription. That sounds like a plan, but got to get it handled by the the 6th. That's Monday. And again, log on, subscribe, uh, magazine, and of course, the digital coverage is phenomenal. HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe code yearbook to get that $30 off the first of an annual subscription. So uh, make that happen. Log on today. A quick timeout. We'll run down the Iron Horse. Gary Sharp's next on Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly monthly magazine or annual football yearbook and all the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Back with your weekend edition, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt. Mark Cranach. Cranach, good to spend time with you, man. It's It's been kind of helter-skelter with the, the baseball weekends and schedules. And how's uh, how's the, the squad doing? We'll get to Jer- Gary Sharp here in a moment. But uh, how's your boys team doing? Do we have him potted up or not? Were you now? No, Cranach, do we have you? Or, or are you on mute? Sharpie, do we have you? Uh, you got me. I can hear Cranick. I can hear you. And uh, I'm, uh, I had a great conversation with Elijah about his uh, umpiring. Good. Good, good, good. Okay. We are uh, off and running. So, Sharpie, good <laughs> to spend time with you. Thanks for jumping on. As That's always. about how my kids' baseball team See, is doing. Okay. There we go. You're, you're on. Wonderful. So it's, it, This was symbolism. Uh-huh. You're asking yes. how my boys' baseball team is. It's like that. Okay. It's like you have all the things you need, but it doesn't quite work out. Uh-huh. <laughs> well done. Know what's going on? Sharpie, uh, does Nebraska have all it needs uh, to keep with that theme uh, at camp this weekend? Uh, pretty big uh, opportunity for Nebraska. What a showcase it is. Yeah, you know what? You consider if you go, man, last year you went three and nine. What kind of, and you, know, you have a head coach that is on the hot seat. What are you going to get? Well, I give credit to Nebraska's recruiting staff and, you know, the addition of Bill Bush and Nikki Joseph and a little bit more of a direction in recruiting. It is, whether you're into recruiting or not, if you're going to make up ground in the Big Ten with the Jimmies and the Joes, you've got to have weekends like this. And Nebraska's got an impressive collection of athletes from all over the area, from in-state to Kansas City to down south. Uh, now it'll be, all right, how many of these guys can you reel in? And how many of these guys, what are they committing to? What is the message they're committing to? And, and who are they committing to? But 
you know, you, you start last night with Jaden Doss saying, yes, you know, wide receiver from Kansas City. I mean, that's a good start. So I'm impressed by their list. It's just, you know, June has changed so much, but June is like the prime month now for recruiting. But Nebraska needs wins. They, they, they got them on campus. Now they need wins. They need for people to say yes and kind of become that, okay, if that guy will commit to Nebraska, there must be something happening inside of the walls that we haven't seen that we won't see until they start playing football in August. In the uh, you are all, we are all old column, Maurice oh, Purify, man. Maurice Purify class of 2026 <laughs> was also there. Like what? That has like, did that one kind of make you cock your head a little well, bit? Well, is, like, is yeah, it, I really am old. Is it Maurice Purify Jr. or did he reclassify? <laughs> well, you know, he may have so, t- may have taken an extra COVID year. I don't know. <laughs> so you know, it it really starts to hit you when guys that we all you know like were in school with or watched in the '90s now have juniors and seniors in high school. You know, my radio partner Damon, his son Caleb will be a junior, and I'm like, wow. But when you have like Tim Carpenter's son, but Mo Purify. So I ran into Mo Purify around the spring game, and he was with his son. And I'm like, and I was thinking in my head, how old is this kid? And when I hear that he's in the class of 26, I'm like, oh my gosh, I am old. Uh, but geez, talk about, you know, we, we all kind of fell in love with Mo as a wide receiver and what he could do and his size. His son, and I know it's way early, boy, his son has a lot of his dad in him and a chance to like be better than his dad. Uh, that was pretty cool to see last night, but that's kind of like what Friday Night Lights are for. It's for the you know the front line guys. See some of the younger, and I think it's great that they take boys, they come out and they show their skills on that kind of a setting. But he is definitely one to watch. He will he will get the same reaction just like you had, Mark, and I had, and Schmidt had, and Elijah had. Oh my God, uh, Mo Purify's got a kid that's in the class of twenty six. What are we doing? <laughs> just hit pause, Father Time. Gary Sharp's with us. Sharpie, let's talk receiver numbers, okay? And I ask that because of of Doss's commitment. What what's twenty twenty three look like to you? Because Nebraska's got a bunch of dudes uh, at the receiver spot, and they got an elite recruiter and Mickey in that position. We know about Malachi Coleman. Uh, he's special anywhere but he's really special because he's a lincoln kid josh manning will be in today O'Marion and miller and, and then you've already got one spot one seat and musical chairs right taken by doss so what's nebraska do do they do they shift the numbers to if assuming they can get all these guys or what's your take here on on nebraska's movement with the the wideout numbers and spots available if I'm on the 22 roster and I'm not playing, I'm not going to be here next year. That's my take. Uh, you know, I already got a position coach that is not real interested in people just grabbing a seat on the bus and, and riding along for a while. That you've got to make progress and you've got to make a contribution. So there's going to be some wide receivers that are not in that top nine on the 22 roster that you're going to say, you know what, maybe maybe we did a poor evaluation of offering you a scholarship and getting you here, or you haven't followed through on your end and progressed enough that – we're recruiting over to you. I mean, you know, we, we heard that right away mm-hmm. in the whole recruiting pitch when Scott started, and we really haven't seen it as much. At certain position groups we have, at wide receiver, there is no doubt if you're not here to make progress and be part of the program, then it's going to be awful tough for you. 
And I think that's what the recruiting shows. But Mickey, I mean, Mickey's real. When Mickey says what he's going to do, he does. Um, but I, that's a position that I think Nebraska will become very attractive to portal guys and to high school guys because of Mickey Joseph and his past experience with wide receivers that he's worked with at LSU and other places. Gary Sharps with us here on the Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Gary, looking elsewhere on that offense, uh, I want to focus on the offensive line. I I mean, it's been well known on this show. I'm an offensive line guy myself, and I don't think this (laughs) offense can go any further than the offensive line takes them, no matter how good Casey Thompson is. We saw that last year with Adrian Martinez. Uh, Under pressure, he he was really struggling. I I don't think Casey Thompson is going to, rise above that by any means so I want to look at the offensive line do you think this is a group that needed more from the transfer portal or or do you think that coach Ryle has enough in that room that he can make something of it here this year 2022 really a make or break year for this staff well I I think the transfer portal for offensive linemen is kind of null and void Um, if I'm a good offensive lineman I'm probably not leaving where I'm at uh, unless I'm a good, let's say, group of five or FCS lineman that I want to move up and, and, and see what I can be like playing against different competition. So I, I think it's, it's vital in the high school recruiting and development on the offensive line. And that's where I would go. You know, Nebraska got a couple of additions in Kevin Williams and Hunter Anthony. And I think Kevin Williams has a chance to start at one of the guards. I, I think through this whole discussion about the offensive line, and I'm with you, Elijah, and we talked about it on the show, is the offensive line has to be good. Now, the quarterback play has to be better and i think that's a whole different discussion about the relationship between the oc quarterback coach and his quarterback to make this offense go and the running back room will be better but with the offensive line guys i don't know what to expect you've got teddy prohaska if he comes back we saw enough of a sample size that he can be a good all big 10 tackle the rest of it is kind of up in the air that needs more consistency don't overlook the simple fact and it's kind of a position that throughout the years has been overlooked at Nebraska. Nebraska has to replace a guy that was drafted in the second round at center, and they kept last year's offensive line together. Um, So uh, that's a huge question mark when they get to camp in August is who's going to solidify those spots? And first of all, who's going to be healthy that they can play in those spots that were not there in the spring? Gary Sharps with us, Hale Varsity Weekend. Sharpie, I want to turn to Ryan Day and the Cleveland.com. Sit down. You had Ryan Day. Uh, spend time about a hundred business uh, folks from the uh, Columbus community and an NIL event, and he uh, he threw out the number uh, thirteen millions. What you need annually at Ohio State to to not lose kids to the portal, uh, and he kind of broke it down about one hundred and fifty k a kid and half a million for your 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 two deep and. About two million for your quarterback and a million for your edge rusher and and um, and left tackle. What uh, what's your reaction to to that story? He's not the only one that said that. You know, basically Nick Saban was talking to his boosters when he was talking about Texas A and M and Jackson State. Uh, there, there's a market out there, and and you're saying to your boosters, "Hey, this is what I'm. This is what other schools are doing. What are we doing?" I'm talking directly to you without saying, hey, I need $13 million. You know, I think when and, – and, and there's been other coaches that have basically alluded to this, not breaking it down in specifics like Ryan Day did. But this is, this is the real world. This is the real world of name, image, likeness right now. But, but here's the thing, guys. When we talk name, image, likeness, and we talk these big numbers, 
how many schools are we talking about? Are we talking about 10 to 15 that are able to dabble in that world? Or are we talking about all of Division One? Because, you know, Nebraska's not playing that game where it's $13 million to keep the roster together. A lot of teams in the Big Ten are not – that's not their game. Um, not that they don't want to play it, but they're not in that – they're not – they can't get into the ball game like that, like an Ohio State can. But I'm glad that he said it out loud um, because – no, this is a thing that's going to linger around college football. It's just the way that these prominent head coaches with top-notch programs go about explaining how name image likeness is working and talking indirectly to their boosters to say, hey, if we want to keep this team together, we got to do blank. Real quick follow. So, okay, what, what game is Nebraska playing if, if that's what Ohio State's laying out there? Is Nebraska's game right now just flat out, we're an option because of our resources, and we're an option because um, uh, it's it's a once proud program trying to get back. Is that is that how Nebraska is going to use NIL? Well, I think they can. I, I think what they're doing here's where I think Nebraska can can benefit from NIL. And I don't necessarily think it's attracting a player. I think when you get on campus, look at guys, the starting quarterback at the University of Nebraska. If Nebraska football is successful and they win, that person is going to be well taken care of. I think from the Nebraska standpoint of, of collectives and name image likeness, I think in this state with this fan base, with that football program, they're better at taking care of guys that are here than attracting guys. Not that they're not going to get into the game because we have seen that, but I think once they get them here, you're wearing the uniform. That's when we'll take care of you. Gary Sharp with us on Hale Varsity Radio, and it's such an evolving business model essentially it's like it's like all these new businesses just got launched all over the country and you know in in an industry that nobody understands yet like it's going to take a while for this whole thing to settle but you got to like where nebraska is at least positioned there um and i think gary maybe one thing that's it it kind of allows the smaller market teams with those passionate it's like a bunch of it's like the green bay packers almost right like that's okay like it's okay if you're in Lincoln and Omaha, yeah. and that's not as big of a market as LA, because, you know, the the prices for purchasing advertising are much cheaper here than they are in Los Angeles and <laughs> elsewhere, right? I mean, the places like Tuscaloosa, like Gainesville, like Lincoln, they can do really well in this kind of in Tallahassee. They can do super well in environments like this. It's it's basically. It, have you seen anything to indicate that this is going to do anything but benefit the sort of true or traditional kind of blue-blood, well-heeled programs? No, I'm with you, Mark. And I think some of those programs like the Florida States, the Miamis, the Nebraskas that have you know, gone through the roller coaster, the Texas, the USC's, um, you know, some of those other programs that have been down at Tennessee, that this is an area that they can make up ground rather quickly um, from that standpoint because they do have advantages. Like, I think – I, I think compared to, like, Austin, Austin is a, a, a huge market nowadays. It's well over a million people compared to Lincoln. Is I think at Texas, you have NIL deals to attract. But, man, once you're in Austin, there's so much going on. Where in Nebraska, you are the only show in town. You're the only Division One football program. It's very attractive once you're on campus. Maybe you can't compete with Texas trying to get them to campus, but, boy, on campus, I think you have a chance to do a lot more 
a lot more deals as a starting quarterback than you were would be in Texas, just because of the size of the market um, of who's in Austin that wants to put deals together compared to who in Lincoln or Omaha or Nebraska that wants to put deals together. It, you're right. It, it's evolving. It's a lot of unknown. It's choppy waters right now. Um, and I still think there's going to be one or two more big things during the summer before it heats up again when we get back on campus and games start being played again. And the name image like this becomes a conversation because you think about it, since Saban and Fisher went at each other, the last couple of weeks, there hasn't been a lot of discussion about name image likeness around the country. They even kind of squelched it at the SEC meetings. You know, nobody really went deep into it. They acknowledged it. They said it's the same as it's been, but nobody like added fuel to the fire. Gary Sharp is with us here. And Gary, before we get you out, only a few weeks away from the College World Series going down up in Omaha. You watching any regional action? You getting yourself geared up? Who do you like uh, in the NCAA tournament this year? I am all in on Tennessee. I want a villain in the College World Series. We're way too nice at the College World Series. Tennessee fields themselves. Uh, they're number one. They're having a historic season. They're brash. Uh, they bat flip. They have uh, a fan base that wears the jersey of their coach. They're deep on the mound. They're deep at the plate. They're really, really good. Uh, I've been all in on Tennessee for a long time for a program that a couple of years ago was was bottom of the barrel in the SEC. Um, but we have the possibility where we could get Tennessee and Texas in the same bracket if they both make it to Omaha. Um, but it was good to see yesterday, like Maryland and Michigan won. Um, so that was good for the, the Big Ten. But this is a great time of the year, and we got two weeks until the uh, College World Series. It just it, it continues to blow you away that Nebraska, not that they you know would have been hosting this year, but they didn't even make their conference tournament. That not being involved in the 64 with the excitement of this weekend and next weekend, man, that, and we know what it was like last year in Fayetteville. You can't go year after year with not making the tournament. Like, you know, Nebraska's got to bounce back and be playing in this tournament next year and maybe get back to where they are hosting a regional at uh, Haymarket Park. Sharpie, we started with uh, Friday Night Lights and recruiting. We'll end it with that. Uh, a number of in-state prospects are are here this weekend. Uh, Malachi Coleman and, and Mav Noonan, too. I want to highlight one from your region, one from my region. And uh, a thought here as, I guess, how hard a fight you think it's going to be for Nebraska to, to land both these kids. Well, I think Malachi, Nebraska's in a good spot. I think a good sign, guys is he used one of his five official visits to come to a place where he's been many times. And that's important because he could have said, hey, I know Lincoln, I know those guys, I can just hop in my car at 70th and A and drive downtown. But he used one of his official visits. I still think Nebraska's in a good spot. Uh, you know, they've got some competition. They need to recruit him as hard as they recruit out-of-state players, and they are. He's a priority. He's number one on their board, guys. There is no doubt that Malachi Coleman is number one in the class of 23 for Nebraska. Now, with Maverick Noonan, Maverick Noonan has options. You know, it's not a slam dunk that he's going to follow his dad to Nebraska. Um, and, and Maverick has really developed, and I think he'd be a great addition for Nebraska. But I don't, I'm not as certain as that one. I will say that Malachi Coleman, and it's going to, you're going to have to wait a little bit, will end up at Nebraska. Not so certain on Maverick Noonan. Not saying he won't, but I'm not all in like I, I believe I am with uh, Malachi Coleman. But here's the thing, guys, with in-state products, and we see the talent, the 23 class, the 24 class, the 25 class that is coming. I truly believe that Nebraska needs to recruit those guys as hard as they recruit out-of-state guys. They need to treat them as a priority, get on them early, identify them, build relationships, and if they want a prospect, 
stay with it and let them know that they want them and then give them a reason on the field or off the field why they should stay home. But they need to recruit them with the same kind of energy and ferocity that they recruit these out-of-state players. And I think that would go a long way in the perception of how Nebraska treats their in-state players. Gary Sharps with us. Sharpie, have yourself a good weekend, brother, and we'll uh, talk again soon. Thanks for a few minutes. Uh, it's always uh, great hanging with my favorite threesome in the morning. <laughs> uh, tip your waiter. Try the veal uh, on the way out the door. Good for, for so much show. innuendo today. Yeah, just Good. a touch. Just a, just a touch. Cranach, what's uh, what's the weekend look like for you? No baseball for once. Really? <laughs> so, wow. That'll be good. Uh, like literally zero. So that's good. You know, I, I do laundry. You know, like things that – you know how it is when you're a baseball dad. Yeah, we – It's uh, just like that's all it is. We, uh, we had it's up like to – It's like you work and then baseball. Uh-huh. We, we had up to Elkhorn for an 1130. Never been to that park. I was telling Elijah to start off things. We, uh, <laughs> we played mid-afternoon, junior pitched, kind of, and uh, the, uh, the, the, the – Moms and dads, I mean, we were on a rooftop drinking cocktails and, and having some food before the game. It was great. I'd never been to that part of Elkhorn before. So Wow. I don't I haven't even heard of that. Well it's it's you have cocktails? Okay. Yeah, it's 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 almost like uh I don't know, kinda of little brewery district with different little shops. It's it's kinda of, once you get into Elkhorn it's off. It's it's by their 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 baseball diamond. So pretty cool. Yeah, okay. Okay. Well, enjoy the weekend, Cranack. We'll be back Monday. Full recruiting recap. Take care. Thanks. A Huda Media Production.